welcome to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. Join us this Sunday at 1225 Chestnut Drive in High Point. Visit us on the web at wesleymemorial.org. Now here is this week's message. The visit of the wise men or the magi to the little Jesus. Epiphany, though, theologically means much more than that. Epiphany reminds us that in the coming of the wise men to Jesus, Jesus was being made known to the world, and that our mission is to make Jesus Christ known to the world. So the text that is appointed for Epiphany is the text that we find in Matthew chapter 2, and I'll begin reading at the first verse. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men, or magi, from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah, the Christ, was to be born. They told Herod, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and it's the prophet Micah, who said, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler." who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest... They offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. God. Church, would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, I pray that You will speak through me this morning. May I say only that which you would have me say, nothing more, nothing less. God, I pray that I would do nothing in this place at this time to hinder the work of your Spirit in our midst and in our lives. God, we pray that you will give each one of us ears to hear what you're saying to us today. In the strong and saving name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. When I look at the story of the wise men, the Magi, 
I'm, I'm reminded that we are all on a journey. Life is about being on a journey. We are, we are not, we're not settlers. We are pilgrims making our way through life. We're always moving, going from point A to point B. We're on a journey. It's a journey that is both an inward journey and an outward journey. And I hope that all of us are paying attention to both our inward journey and our outward journey. Our inward journey is, is the journey that we're making with the living Christ as we allow Christ to form us into the image of Jesus Christ, as we allow the Spirit to work in our lives, as we allow the Spirit to change us within so that we can be a transformed people used by God to transform the world around us. I hope that we're all paying attention to our inward journey, what's going on in our hearts, in our minds. There are many opportunities here at Wesley Memorial Church to pay attention to your inward journey and to grow. And I do hope that you will think about where God would have you plug in here at the beginning of a new year to, to help you nurture that inward journey. We're also on an outward journey. That's the one that's more obvious to us most of the time. We're on a journey through life, and nothing ever stays the same except God. Nothing ever stays the same except the gospel. And even with the gospel, we package it a little differently in every age. But God and the gospel and our truths about God stay the same. You heard us use the Apostles' Creed a few moments ago. That's the ancient expression of our faith. So some things are always changing and some things are never changing in the Christian community. That's our outward journey. That's life around us, and most of us are very mindful of how our outward journey is constantly changing. We are about to make a journey both inward and outward through this new year of 2020. And particularly on this morning, this first Sunday of 2020, I hope that we will take a few moments to be very intentional about our journey through 2020. Don't just allow life to happen. Don't live under the circumstances, but live above the circumstances. Be proactive and intentional about your journey, inward and outward, through 2020. 2020 is being given to us as a gift, and much of what happens for us and in us and through us in 2020 depends on how we receive the gift and how we unwrap it. We can't control all the changes around us, but we're always in control of our responses to the changes around us. We are always responsible and in control as to how the changes can be used by God to help grow us up into the image of Jesus Christ. There is a prayer that I always enjoy using at the beginning of a new year. I suspect I used it last year on the first Sunday of the new year. I want to do that. It's a prayer from Thomas Merton. Thomas Merton was one of the most famous spiritual authors of the 20th century. He was a monastic, spent most of his life at a monastery in Kentucky, and through his writings has had a huge, tremendous influence on a lot of Christians. This is a prayer that's sometimes referred to as Merton's, Merton's Journey Prayer. So I want you to hear the words of this prayer from Thomas Merton. He says, My Lord God, 
I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really even know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following your will does not mean that I'm actually doing so. But I believe, I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope that I have the desire, that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road. Though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear. For you are ever with me. And you will never leave me to face my perils alone. 2020 will bring some great joy into each one of our lives. 2020 will also bring some great challenges into our lives. That's the way human life is constructed. As we make our way through 2020, none of us know at this point what this year will bring to us. Um, don't mean to frighten any of you, but I'm, I know, I've been around a long time now, that some of you that are seated right here this morning will not be among us a year from now. You will have made the transition to the church militant on the other side, the church triumphant on the other side. But life will bring whatever life brings to us. And I hope that each one of us will have the resources, the spiritual resources from our inward journey to help make our outward journey uh, spiritually prosperous. None of us know what the year will bring in a lot of ways, and that's true every year. And that's why we put our hand in the unchanging hand of God, and we know that as we hold hard to the unchanging hand of God, no matter what life brings us, that we still will prevail through the Spirit at work within us. I'm sure that many of you paid attention, because it hit all the national news, to the articles that came out on Friday. Um about the proposed, and I'm using some of the article's language, don't agree with it, but some of the article's language, to the proposed division of the United Methodist Church. Uh, it comes about as a result of a group. Uh, the United Methodist Church has made no decision. Only General Conference can do that in May. But there are a lot of groups offering proposals to General Conference uh, to help us find a way forward because there have been, since we were organized in 1968, and there really has been, even before that, great division among the people called Methodists in regards to the authority of Scripture, in regards to the authority of tradition, in regards to whether or not we want to be part of the global church or be part of a church that is uh, more, um, more accommodating to the culture in which we find ourselves. Uh, these divisions run pretty deep, and they've been there for years in the United Methodist Church. And we need to, we need to remind ourselves that um, God still got this. And I know that some of the language that I, that I heard and that I read in the national media uh, was, was pretty sensationalized, but that's their job, I guess, to do it that way. Uh, one of my friends told me, if you read anything that says... The United Methodist Church, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know they're wrong. 
No one group can speak for the United Methodist Church except for General Conference, which will happen in 2020. So what came out this week was another proposal. I think this makes number 10 as far as proposals going to General Conference to help us make a way forward in a way that will allow all the groups in the church to bless each other and to, to, uh, to, to serve God in ways that fulfill their consciences and the way they see scripture and the life of the church worldwide. So none of us still know what will happen in May. That's the way life is structured. And with any of the proposals, General Conference can accept um, or, or amend, and we will have to wait and see what General Conference comes out with in 2020 as far as allowing for options for local churches. Let me offer you, as you're reading, um, what's out on social media and as you're reading what's in the newspapers and as you are uh, listening to what's been on the national news since Friday, let me offer you some words of caution and perhaps even some words of comfort. Uh, one of the words of caution I would offer you is to be particularly hesitant to receive church news from secular outlets. They really don't understand us as Christians, basically, and they certainly don't understand the complexity of the United Methodist system. Most of us clergy have a hard time understanding the complexity of our United Methodist system, and certainly our laity have a hard time understanding the complexity of the United Methodist system. So I encourage you to, to get your news from official church sources such as what I posted on our Facebook page here at Wesley Memorial this past Friday with my own personal remarks attached to that article from our United Methodist News Service. So I encourage you to always get your church news from services that know the church and know the history of the Christian faith because it's much, much more complicated than, than you can get in just a short sound bite on a news program. The other thing that I would caution you over as you think about and hear about uh, the proposals that will be dealt with and the proposals that will come out between now and late May with our general conference is this. Be very careful of using terms like conservative or liberal in the ways that those terms are used politically here in the United States of America. There's a vast difference between American political conservative and liberal and historic Christian views of conservative and liberal. And I know that people just tend to know what they know, but be very careful with those languages. Some people are enamored, particularly in this culture, and you know this as well as I do, some people are enamored by those terms in this culture. And you've heard me say before that I really don't like labels. I think labels allow lazy people not to think. And what happens occasionally with labels, some people are enamored with the word liberal and they just support whatever carries that label. And some people are enamored with the word conservative and they just support whatever's carried by that label. Know that the Christian tradition is 2,000 years old now. And those terms mean different things theologically then you may think they mean politically and socially here in the United States. So just beware of uh, making too quickly assumptions uh, using political terms to determine theology in the life of the church.
So those are two of the cautions I would offer you if you're paying attention to the news media. And if you're not paying attention to the news media, that's probably a good thing also. Um, one of the things that I would also offer you as a word of comfort is that regardless whatever happens at denominational levels, the life of local churches go on pretty much like the way local churches go on. Uh, what you know is this congregation is the truth about this congregation, regardless of what happens anywhere else or what happens at denominational level. But if you are paying attention to what's being presented in the news, and I'm sure it will increase between now and, and May at General Conference, uh, I want you to remember what I posted on our Facebook page on Friday. I started my remarks off with one of my favorite quotations from um, Julian Norwich, a 14th, 15th century mystic. It was Julian Norwich who said, all will be well, all will be well, all manner of things will be well. That's a good quotation to remember as you just make your way through life, isn't it? All will be well, all will be well, all manner of things will be well. So again, don't get too disturbed by whatever life brings us as we make our way through 2020. Always remember first to keep your focus on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. Keep your focus on the things that God wants us to be focused concerning, such as our passion about making disciples of Jesus Christ, about transforming people into healthy followers of Jesus Christ that go out into the world to change the world. Uh, as one of our bishops used to say to us frequently, make sure you keep the main thing the main thing. Distraction oftentimes is an enemy of the spiritual life. So beware of distraction. Keep the main thing the main thing. And remember, Always factor God into the equation. All will be well. All will be well. All manner of things will be well. Since the birth of Methodism in this country in 1784, we have gone through 10 divisions and mergers. Perhaps you don't know your history. This congregation, since its founding in 1856, has been a part of three different Methodist movements. Maybe you know the local church history. It's, it's something that we do. It's one of the primary ways we multiply is by division. And I'm hoping my prayer for us as United Methodist people is that we will show the world around us how to love, how to be fair, how to bless each other, and how to empower each other to be in ministry in the world in the way that they feel called to be in ministry in the world. So just remember, all will be well, all will be well, all manner of things will be well. And that's true for the denomination, that's true for every local church, that's true for your life. Hold on to that as you make your way through 2020. So today is the 12th day of Christmas. So you have the church's permission now to take down your Christmas decorations. But leave them up at least through tomorrow, tomorrow's Epiphany. Epiphany is the time when we remember the coming of the Magi and God's desire that Jesus Christ, 
be made known to the world. We are called to be people of epiphany. That word means manifestation. We are called to manifest Jesus Christ to the world. And when I think about the coming of the wise men, I'm I'm reminded that they came, according to the text, they came passionately seeking this Messiah, this Christ that was born. They, They came not to the manger, you noticed in the text, they came to the house. By the time the wise men, don't mean to mess up your nativity scenes, but by the time the wise men came, Jesus could very well be two years old. Because if you keep reading in the Gospel of Matthew, as soon as the wise men come and leave, then that paranoid King Herod slaughters the innocents, kills the baby boys born in Bethlehem that have been born two years ago and since. So Jesus could be up to two years old by the time the wise men came, according to the book of Matthew. And he's not in a manger, but they've moved into a house by this point. But these wise men come from afar. They follow the star that they saw in the east that brought them west. And they find the infant Jesus. And they worship the infant Jesus. When I think about the journey of the Magi, the wise men, to Jesus, I'm reminded of some important lessons from this text that we need to remember as we make our journey through 2020, through life. One of the first things I learned from this text is that this text reminds me that we always need to make sure, make sure of our destiny, our destination. Make sure we know what it is and who it is that we're seeking. I'm I'm so impressed by the Magi, the wise men. Um, They came seeking Christ. They saw his star in the east. They came west. They were going to allow nothing to prevent them from seeking Christ. They wanted to experience this Messiah, this Christ, this this newborn King of the Jews. So as we make our journey through life, make sure we keep the main thing the main thing. Make sure that we remember what it is, who it is that we seek. And we remember that we need to pay attention to our destination And not to forget the destination. Again, our destination is to become spirit-filled followers of Jesus Christ, faithful disciples of Jesus Christ, spiritually healthy followers of Jesus Christ. They can go out of this place and change the world. That's what it means. That's that's our destination. We need to keep our focus there. These wise men, because they came from afar, and they had to keep their focus on where they were going. The second thing this text reminds me as we tenaciously hold on to our vision is that we have to be willing to pay the price. It's going to cost us something. Our faithfulness God to God will cost us something. Our faithfulness to God will cost other people something. Our faithfulness to God will cost those closest to us something. The wise men were the magi. That's really what the term is in the Greek. They were magi. We know who they were from a lot of ancient documents. These were Persian Holy men, Persian astrologers, they watched the stars. They tried to interpret the future. And they were well known in the ancient world. So these Persian astrologers, these magi, realized something of cosmic importance was happening. And they set out to find this newborn king of the Jews. And if you know about your magi... 
That means they come from Persia, which means they traveled maybe a thousand miles, somewhere between 800 and 1,000 miles to find this newborn king of the Jews. That cost them something. I can envision the caravan as the caravan seeks out Jesus. So that cost them something to take that journey of a thousand miles. They didn't want to present this king with leftovers. But they wanted to present this king with something that cost them tremendously. And you notice, you notice the gifts that they bring. You know, we don't even know that if there really were three of them. The text doesn't tell us how many uh, magi there were. But we do notice there's three gifts. So that's given rise to the tradition that there were three of them. But the gifts were extremely costly. Gold, something fit for a king. Frankincense, something used in the worship of God. And myrrh, something interestingly enough that's, that's used in the burial of the dead. And all of those gifts tell us something about this newborn king. He is royalty, he is divine, and he comes among us to die. Those are the gifts of the wise men. But notice they had to open their treasure box to get those gifts out. These would have been extremely valuable gifts. As a matter of fact, I think, I'm not alone in this, that the Holy Family received these gifts and then they're able to sell these gifts. And that's what financed their journey to Egypt. Because they wouldn't have had the money to make a journey to Egypt. But again, God is working God's purposes out in history and in this text. So these were expensive gifts that were brought to the Holy Family. So that reminds me, if we're going to be tenacious about getting to our destination, we need to be willing to pay whatever price is demanded of us to get to this destination. And the third thing that I am reminded of in this text is that throughout the journey, the spirit of Herod is always there in the periphery. The spirit that wants to destroy us and destroy the purposes of God. The spirit of Herod. I, I have a hard time calling the Magi wise. Because here they come following the star. And they go first to Jerusalem, which is right beside Bethlehem. They go first to Jerusalem. And they go to the paranoid King Herod. And they tell the paranoid King Herod that a new king has been born in your realm. I could have told these not-so-wise men that would not end well. And it doesn't. But I'm grateful that after the, the wise men, or not-so-wise men, go to Bethlehem and find the Holy Family, they, they realize God reveals to them a dream. They should not go back and tell Herod where this newborn king is. Now, Herod lied to them and said, tell me where he's at because I want to go worship too. Well, Herod didn't want to worship this newborn king. We know all about Herod. We know a lot about Herod. And it fits the personality of Herod that Herod certainly didn't want to worship this newborn king, but instead Herod would do something like the slaughter of the innocents, if you keep reading in Matthew's Gospel, where all the children under age two, all the male children under age two, were slaughtered by Herod and his men there in Bethlehem. Now keep in mind, Bethlehem is a small village, so that's probably maybe between 10 and 20 children. But it's certainly something that Herod would have done from all that we know about Herod in history. The, the spirit of Herod is alive and well in the world. That which wants to destroy the purposes of God. That which wants to destroy the people of God. That which wants to torpedo our spiritually prosperous lives. 
So even though there'll be these forces around us trying to pull us away from our destination, these forces around us that will try to convince us not to pay the price, to, to be faithful to Jesus Christ, we need to be wise and know how to stand firm in, in our convictions in, in what it is God is calling us to do. Uh, most of you know I read, I pray through the Psalms every month. And there's divisions that helps us do that, such as a division in the Book of Common Prayer, which means on day one of the month, one of the Psalms that you read is Psalm 1. And I'm always grateful when I get to read Psalm 1 on January 1 on the beginning of a new year, because Psalm 1 tells us, and it's not accidental that Psalm 1 is the introduction to the whole Psalter. Psalm 1 says, and you know it, Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on God's law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, its leaves, its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And be sure and read spiritually prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. We don't know what 2020 holds for any of us. It is right now before us as an unopened gift. We don't know what we will face through 2020. We will find great joy and probably great challenge in 2020. But we need to remember that we are here for each other. We will make our journey through 2020 together. But more importantly, to use the dying words of John Wesley, best of all, God is with us. Amen.